You're listening to episode 43 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Hartke. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field, and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer, and let's get to the show. This has got to be one of my favorite interviews because it wasn't really an interview. So fellow mama of three, business coach, podcast host, speaker, Carrie Keating, and I just decided it was time to sit down and have an honest conversation. We both used to work in the corporate space in what actually to me feels like a previous life, and then we broke out of that nine to five world to pursue our own purpose while monetizing our passions. But both of us have experienced the life-giving and life-changing experience of investing in ourselves through bringing on a business coach, probably before we were ready. We know what it feels like to step into solopreneurship and how lonely it can be, how to navigate motherhood while growing a business, and things like mom guilt. We have encountered failures. We know marketing, freedom of time, and the power of that. We know mentoring others. We understand the power of prioritizing your health, especially as a business owner, what it means to set goals and cast vision, and we spent some time nerding out on all things business. So we get raw, real, and to the point today, and I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Today's review comes from Shih Tzu Lover 13. If you want to go for your business and really get into it, this podcast is for you. Elizabeth is amazing at speaking the honest truth without making you feel defeated. She has so much knowledge about personal branding and marketing. I'm so grateful she's taken the time to create this podcast and provide us with her knowledge. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Shih Tzu Lover 13. I wish I knew your real name so that I wasn't just calling you a Shih Tzu Lover, but I so appreciate your feedback. Here's my candid chat with Carrie. Okay, friends, welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have an incredible conversation with my new friend, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you. This is awesome. And it's, this is such a, a new thing, what we're going to do today. I really am excited for it. I know, I know. So yeah, I just want to tee it up. So Elizabeth and I both have our own shows and we thought, why not leverage our time and have one conversation because, you know, we're both all, we're both about optimizing our time, optimizing our businesses so we can spend time on what matters most. And why not spend one conversation, one hour talking about the things that we're working on, we're working through, we're expanding through and um, leverage it for both of our shows. So it's going to be kind of a back and forth. Neither of us have ever done this before. So it's kind of a choose your own adventure, but I'm really, really excited. I am too, because I feel like the honest conversations are where people can glean so much insight too, because sometimes when we have these structured interviews, it's helpful, but we end up staying on that one topic versus kind of just seeing where each other are at and where our audiences are at and how we can just really pour into them by letting them behind the curtain and see the mess sometimes. And, you know, we're both, both have three little kids at home, literally in this moment between the two of us, we, you have your three at home. Mine are, I'm hiding in my closet right now because that's the only place where two sets of doors locked between me and the crazy. So 
we're in such similar situations, come from similar backgrounds. And I think this is just going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I love it because I think it just kind of starts the conversation off on this idea of creating structure in your business and in your life, but also allowing space for the magic and creating space and allowing space for God to kind of do his job of like making things better than you could ever imagine. Do you operate from that standpoint? 100%. When I'm tapping into what I should be tapping into. So (laughs) when I'm feeling massively stressed, when I'm looking at a to-do list and that to-do list is dictating not only my day, but also my energy. And when I'm operating in reaction mode, I'm not acknowledging and accepting that I'm being guided and that God has his hand in this and that, you know, there is a better plan than what that to-do list might have. But when I'm operating from that other space of like, okay, I've got this, I'm going to create space and I'm going to see what comes in because it's such a fun thing being a creator, like Mm -hmm. a content creator being able to bring our passions and our gifts into the world and be able to take those passions and gifts and then monetize them Mm -hmm. so that we can make a living doing what we love and bringing that into, into the world. But if you don't create that white space in your calendar and in your day, and even just like giving yourself time to think, it's really hard to create those things. It's really hard to just operate reactively from a to-do list. Like, do you ever find that when you're just in go mode Sometimes you're moving so quickly, you're missing the point. Like you're missing those opportunities to say like, oh, this could have been a gem that I could bring into the world. Oh, totally. I mean, even just today, getting on this episode on the show, there was so many things that happened. My microphone broke, my kids are home from school, all of these things. And I was like, totally, when we were supposed to hit record, I was like, totally frustrated. I'm like, wait a second. I just lined up all these things that I'm trying to control and I'm super frustrated. And I almost just canceled because I'm like, I'm not in the right energy But at the same time, just what you said is what I know to be true from the past four years of doing this with three babies under three, (laughs) we totally have the same mode, Um, (laughs) is that if I try to control everything and don't allow, and I'm going to say it again, just like that spaciousness, which that's one of my core desired feelings is spaciousness. If I try to control everything and don't trust that even the hiccups and even the problems and even what looks like could be a potential trigger for me to go down the anxiety spiral or whatever it is, that it's all working for me. And trusting Mm -hmm. that like now that we're pressing record and doing this fun way to interview, we're going to learn something about ourselves. We're going to learn something about this process. We're going to learn something about leveraging our time. And also we're going to create more evidence to support the fact that we are being supported. Yes. Oh, you're hitting the nail on the head because it's so funny. I was having this conversation with my husband last night. We're sitting out on the deck and the kids had finally gone to bed, which is always like the golden hour (laughs) after that. And we were like, okay, we need to just sit and chill. And we were talking about it. And he's like, I just feel like sometimes we're moving at such a fast pace and we have such big goals and big visions that we don't take a minute to just look at the big picture and Mm. make sure that we're operating in a way that's supporting the original dream, like that's supporting the fact that we want freedom in our day, that we want 
time, that we want peace That as we move through our day, not to feel stressed. And one of my commitments to myself over the last year and a half has been take action and worry about the details later. Because I was the type of person that would, I need all my ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. before I can take that first step. And as a result, nothing was happening. Like every year would be my year because I'm like, okay, this is going to be the one, but then I wouldn't take the action steps. So now what I'm doing, and I feel like this episode is such a good representation of it. I'm not worried about if I fall on my face because I know that it's a part of that process. I know that something good, there's going to be a silver lining in that. Like today we had a scheduling snafu, like you've got the kids, one of your kids is sick. Like there's just so much going on. And instead of just saying like, screw it, we're not going to do the interviews. We decided to do something like this, where we're just kind of chatting back and forth and there's good coming from it. It's like, yeah, there was like an error in something, but you just roll with it and keep moving. And in doing that, I have found so much more peace in my days because I, I've accepted that failure is a part of the process. I've accepted that those mistakes don't define me. They're teaching me mm-hmm. and I'm moving forward. Like I'm building steam. I'm creating more stuff. Like I'm not journaling or blogging and then keeping it to myself and not putting it out into the world. I'm just like, screw it. I don't care if there's spelling mistakes in this post. I'm, I'm hitting post. I don't care if this live stream ends up with like a naked kid streaking through the background because <laughs> I've got something to say and I'm not going to worry about it. And it's just like such a freeing feeling to just go yeah, and then be able to stop because you knew you poured yourself out and then it's like, pause. Yeah. Well, and you're doing it from a much more aligned space. It's funny because I've been having this conversation a lot. I made a huge shift in my perspective, the way I operate in my alignment this past year. One of my beloved, my oldest cousin passed away from cancer. And I'm it was sorry. at, thank you. It was at that moment that I finally gave my permission, myself permission to shut everything down. Mm-hmm. And I shut off social media for two weeks. I shut everything down. I canceled all my clients. I canceled all the podcasts. Like I just shut it down and I created so much space. I was forced to create. I was invited. I had been, I had been, the invitation had been there for a really long time. Like I had wanted to and felt called to shut things down and just like get off social media because I was wrapped up in the frenetic energy of like, do, 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 hustle, 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 hustle. That wasn't my own, right? Like, <laughs> and so by creating the space, the physical space, the mental space, I was able to really hear the feedback that I was receiving in my life, not only from my clients and how my offers and my business should be operating, but also the feedback from myself of, hey, this is not how you want to live your life. You actually don't want to be wrapped up in the hustle. So take a step back. And so this has been such an incredibly spacious summer for me. It has like, I've taken weeks off. I've taken days off. I have just really been with my kids. I'm also at a point now, which I know we're in like a little bit separation in terms of my kids are a little bit older than yours, where I have all three of them next week, my son starts preschool and they'll all three be in school full time. So I'm going to have five days a week to work without kids here, all of the things. And so there was also this kind of like light at the end of the tunnel moment. And so I had this really spacious summer where I was able to realign my energy, my focus, how I wanted my operating system essentially. And when I do that, and one of the things that I kind of heard from you is that like, if we're not creating the spaciousness in our lives, 
or the alignment first in our own personal progress and perspective, we will not create businesses that last because we will burn out. We will start operating on other people's operating systems and in their energy and doing things based on what others need versus what we ourselves need. So I love that this conversation is kicking, kicking off in this way because I feel like that is the foundational work that we have to do in order to scale anything. Before we start optimizing anything, we've got to get clear on who we are what we, what freedom means to us, what, how we want to live our life and how we want to truly operate, not only from a day-to-day basis, meaning I want to meditate in the morning and then be with my kids or whatever else, which we could have a whole conversation about what the ceremony should really look like, but really just getting clear on like what it is that you truly want in your business. And I know that's kind of like your in doing some research about you, you have this like three-step process and Mm -hmm. step one is like, is doing just that. Can you kind of explain what that looks like for you as you're walking your people through, like just building that foundation of what they want their life to look like? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just resonate with everything you're saying. And it, it, for me, it came from a place of having experienced the other side. So I had been in the corporate world. I had done the things that just didn't sit right with me. And I knew that I wanted to step into this entrepreneurial space. And I had witnessed my whole family, ex- my parents and my extended family, my grandparents, they were all business, small business owners and entrepreneurs. And there were aspects of that that I loved. Like they were always at the dinner table with us and they were always at the sidelines of our games. But there was this element that I didn't love, which was even though they could be there in those moments, they had to make up for the missed time because Mm. if they weren't working, if they weren't trading dollars for hours, they weren't producing and they weren't able to support their family. So there is this other side of it. It's like, yeah, I like, I want that freedom. I like the time freedom piece, but I don't always have to feel like I'm scrambling to make up the time. And I saw the stress behind that and the energy behind that, that just I was like, I don't know if I want that. So I went another path. I did the corporate thing and then realized, oh, dear God, this is certainly not what I want. So I said, okay, I'm going to do this entrepreneurship thing. But what I did was exactly what my family did. I built a business that didn't support the life that I wanted to be living. So I knew I wanted to make an impact. I knew I wanted to bring in enough income to support my family. I knew that I wanted time freedom. But all of a sudden, I started building without a plan. And I was just kind of throwing stuff out there and it wasn't supporting that dream. Mm -hmm. And I was really just building a cage around myself. And even though it was entrepreneurship, even though it was my own business, I still didn't have the structure in place to do what I wanted to do. And I noticed that I wasn't alone in that. So when I shifted things and I started building a business model that was going to support how I actually wanted to be living, like present with my children and present with my husband and being able to make a bigger impact in the world and be able to bring in enough income that allowed me to give back to my community, to my church, to my family, to the people that needed me. So I changed everything. The offers that I made, the product suite that I built out, how I operated, how many one-on-one clients. Now one-on-one is such a small, small piece of my business versus the very scalable product suite that I have that allows me to bring in that passive income. So that was like the light bulb moment of like, oh my God, there are so many people doing this. Like they're building their dream, mm-hmm. they think, but all of a sudden they, they, you can be one degree off course and end up at the wrong port. And that had happened to me. So that's such a fundamental thing that I do in the beginning 
I have this thing that I use for my clients called the future forecast formula. Mm. Happy to give it to you. You can share it with your, with your clients. It's, It's something that allows you to map out what you want. First of all, we do an audit. Like, let's look at things. You got to accept reality because if you can't see where you're at today, there's no way you can move forward from there. You can't be like operating out of denial. So let's look at these buckets of your life. What's not working? What's broken? What's, what can we make better? What do you want to be better? Do you look at like, no, go ahead. Everything. So like relationship, money, like all of the things. Got it. Okay. Everything you have to, because what I find, and, and it's okay too, if certain areas of your life are just not like I have certain ones that I will not let drop beneath a certain level because they're so fundamentally important to me. And those are my relationships with my family, so my husband and, and my kids, my faith and my health. If my business, I just had a baby seven months ago. I expect my business to be low on the totem pole during that season of my life. And I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. But I don't accept my health getting low on that totem pole because even though it's really hard to prioritize your health when you have a new baby, that is a core thing to who I am and what I want and how if I let that drop below, I'm not living the life I want to be living. Mm. So that's something I work with. And I even have clients that are like, they're in C-suite executives, okay? They're people that are at a level that I've never even been at in that space. And we do these fundamental things first, because the reality is they're like, I don't know, something's missing. I'm just not happy. And or my people in my business are just not performing. And it's like, if something's out of whack from how you built this thing, mm-hmm. it's not going to translate. It's not going to all of a sudden be magically better for you. So I guess the long-winded answer is we really like build the business to fit the dream not the other way around. You can't just start building and building and building and hope it creates some dream for you. It won't, yeah. you'll, you won't be where you want to be. Yeah. And that makes a world of difference for people. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious for you in, in your business and some of the stuff that you're doing, what are some of the major things that you find you're focusing on with your, your clients and your people that they're struggling with? Like they keep butting their head up against the wall. Yeah. I mean, well, one of the things that you said that I, I wrote down as you were talking that I extracted was just, just this, these expectations. The fact that you give yourself so much grace and space, knowing that you're in a time where you have three children under three, you have a seven month old, that is a chaotic time in anyone's life. So having mm-hmm. the expectation that your business is going to be low on the totem pole, as you said, creates so much freedom. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so many of the women that I talked to, and even myself at that time, I had this expectation because I was, my nervous system was so wrapped up in this need of significance because I did have a really successful corporate career. You know, Mm -hmm. I made multiple six figures. I had the awesome job. I worked at a great company and I, my life was always built on this kind of level of significance. So when I came home to be a stay-at-home mom or work-at-home mom, because that's what I did. I did not come home to be a stay-at-home mom. I did not want to be a stay-at-home mom. I wanted to have my dream and then also have my children. I still had the expectation that my business was going to continue to grow, that I would have the time and the energy. And I found myself in sitting in frustration, so much frustration, because I would look at the people who were going and doing things awesome, my mentors, my friends, my peers. And I, I would get mad that they had all of the time in the world to build their business and I didn't. 
And I'm like, well, I'm just as smart as them, but I can't do this because I don't have time because I'm nursing a child or all of this stuff. And there was a period of time where I was really resenting my kids. So I know it's like opening up a whole different can of worms, but I feel like one of the themes that I went through that and found myself in a space really when I started coaching and witnessing other women have the same frustrations and they were a mirror for me as I could see them going through some of the things that I was going, I had gone through and was still going through. And I was invited to hold space for them, even though I was still working through it myself, I was able to see myself in a different perspective. And I find that oftentimes, and so that, that was really an amplifier for me in terms of moving through it and giving myself a little bit more grace and just trusting like, this is a part of the process. This mess is going to be my message. And I understand that. So how can I kind of lean into the hard stuff and say, okay, I'm not going to have as much time. I'm not going to have as much mental power. I'm not going to have as much energy. I'm not going to have as much clarity, but if I can be present and go back to the core desired feeling, Danielle Laporte's core desired feelings and desire map. I use that. That was a game changing book for me of wanting to feel spacious now, not when I had the multiple six figures back in my bank account or the sold out mastermind or whatever journey I was on. If I change those expectations to just appreciation of the fact that I get to do this work, I am winning. Like I'm winning. (laughs) And so having that convert, that's a constant conversation that I have with my clients because I obviously attract that because I've been through it. And it's something that I talk about. It's one of the bigger things, the bigger struggles that we deal with is grace in the moments of an understanding that it's okay to be a work in progress and a beautiful masterpiece at the same time. That it's okay to be a mom and do this in a way that feels aligned with you. And if you don't want to meditate that day, or if you don't want to send out an email that week, or if you don't want to, whatever it is, it's okay. The business will still be there. The most important thing is that you are in alignment with how you want to show up as a mother and a human first, and then the business can come second. That was a huge shift for me. And it's definitely something that is a huge shift for all of my clients because when I first started coaching, for me, it was about like, I got to know the thing. I got to know the strategy. I got to give them all of the information. I've got I've to deliver, deliver, deliver. And when I started realizing, when my perspective started shifting to, I need to hold space for them so they can have their breakthrough, I realized that it's my job to help them shift their perspective on life versus... Mm-hmm give them the answer on how to scale their business. Yes. Yes. And I, you, you said something that just made me think of this talking about like putting motherhood first. We know as moms, like you look, you scroll through your phone one year ago, you see how much your kids have changed. Like mm. there, this is a flash in the pan. So trying to think big picture enough, I've stopped with my clients doing one year goals. Mm. because it's the biggest mind F because it just screws with them because a a year goes by in an instant. And really when you can set five or 10 year goals, you don't feel like you have to sacrifice all those moments today because you have to do something by the end of this year. 
Like yeah. you can say I'm working and it's not, it's also not an excuse. I like to remind people, it's not an excuse to kick your feet up and watch Netflix and say, it's okay. I'll hit it in 10 years. You also have to align your ambitions with your expectations and what you're willing to put in. And I have that conversation a lot. It's like, yes, you have, you're incredibly ambitious in what you want. Are you willing to put in the work? This is what it's actually going to look like mm-hmm. to get to where you want to go in that time frame. So if you're saying, well, I'm not willing to do that then maybe you have to extend your time frame. The the reason people get so disappointed and discouraged and oftentimes quit is just because of the expectation gap. It's because they have this expectation, but then the outcome is not aligned with it because the work they put in didn't get them to where they wanted to go. So that's why in the beginning, that planning process is so important so that you can create the space along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we both got our start in the network marketing space. I accepted when I had my son that I would be watching certain people on stage hitting certain accolades that I might not achieve in the same time frame because I wasn't willing to sacrifice what they were willing to sacrifice in that time frame, And that's okay. Yeah. But I also couldn't look at those women on stage and say, I want that and be pissed that I wasn't getting it if I wasn't willing to put in the work to get me there. Mm-hmm. So you, you really have to start to look at like, okay, I can't just set a goal. I have to look at the roadmap to get to that goal. And is it what I'm willing to do? Is it what I want to bring into my life? Is it what I'm willing to sacrifice? I mean, one major thing for us when we made this move out to Wisconsin a little over a year ago was we didn't bring TV with us. We have a television or not like crazy farm people, but it's for like movie night with the kids once a week. It's not, and it's out of sight, out of mind. It's not in our main room. I don't judge people who watch TV. I miss it sometimes because it's nice to turn your brain off. But in giving up that one thing, I created and opened up so much space for my children, for my marriage and for my business that were hours being depleted from me previously when it was available to me. Mm. And it was just something that, yes, sometimes I miss it, but not enough to give up what I get to experience now without it. Yeah. I I, I don't know. That might've been a rant, but it was just like, no, no, it's perfect because what I'm hearing is that you have, we have to have very real, realistic expectations about what the work is going to look like to achieve your goals, whether they're five year, 10 year, uh, you know, one year, six months, it doesn't matter what it is. So it's, it's giving yourself a level of grace and understanding where you are truly at and what you truly want right now. Because so often we think like, Oh, well that goal is going to give me the level of freedom that I want. When in reality, when you have the ability to choose your feelings every day, that is freedom. When you can step yes. out of the matrix and, and you yourself take a hold of your choices and your feelings and your perception and your perspective and everything else, to me, that's freedom. But for some people, they think that, oh yeah, hitting the accolades on stage or whatever, that's going to give me a sense of freedom or feeling that I want. And so that's why I'm going after it. So I feel like what I'm hearing it from you and what I identify or what you're reflecting back to me is that number one, it's getting really honest with where you're at and where you want to go and why you want what you want and giving yourself permission to want that. And if that means a certain number of zeros in your bank account, that's fine too, right? We know that when good people make good money, they do great things. So that's awesome. But at the same time, 
we also have to get really, really realistic about what the work is going to look like. If your goal is to sell the mastermind or have a, you know, 500 person event or, you know, create the suite of products that are, you know, operating at a certain level and bringing a certain level of residual income. Well, it takes work. And I think what oftentimes the disconnect or the gap is, is that people see other people doing stuff online and they say, well, if they're doing it, I can do it too. They must not, like, they don't see what's happening beneath the surface. They only see the glorification of it. I mean, and that's when we get caught in comparison and everything else. And so having a really realistic plan on how to scale and how to grow and then also getting really real with yourself, you know, it, to me, it just screams like you have to have like a radical sense of honesty with yourself about what your life looks like now, what it's going to take to get you there. And having someone, at least for me, having a coach has been one of the most profound things that I've done to help me get more realistic because I chose, I choose coaches who are where I want to go. So they have the hindsight to tell me, um, So I would love to know, because I know that you are in the business of helping women scale their businesses. At what point do you say, okay, yes, it's time to scale? That's a good question. I think, first of all, I fundamentally agree with what you just said, because the the moment I accepted I needed to invest in someone to guide me that was ahead of me was when everything changed. And I didn't have the money to invest back then. But I knew it had to happen because I was hitting my own personal ceilings of growth. And I do that now in every area of my life, in my health, even though I'm a research junkie and I love optimizing my body and my health, I still need people who are ahead of me. And I have literally a team of people who I bring into my life, my my chiropractor, my naturopath, my nutritionist, like all these different things, because I just want to keep growing and learning. It's the same thing for business. So at what point would I have someone scale? I think as soon as you have a I don't even want to say a business. It could be a brand. It could be, here's an example. I have a lot of clients who come to me who don't really have a technical business. They're making money as, let's say, an influencer. They have hundreds of thousands of followers. This is a good example for what you're asking because they don't necessarily have like a real business model. They have the followers and they're doing collaborations, for example. Or they're sharing about products and getting, you know, kickbacks for that. But that's not a viable business model because I always ask people, like, if you're running a vulnerable business, an example of a vulnerable business is exactly that. If Instagram said, screw you tomorrow and shut your account down, would you still have a business that's generating income? You can't go to the bank with your 200,000 followers and say, I'd like to deposit these 200,000 followers, please. Yeah. Praise hands, preaching over here. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) That's not a thing. So, but even though they don't have a viable business yet, I still think they're in a place where they can scale because they have something that they can scale from. And what we can do is we can utilize what they have. They have a following. Mm -hmm. So we can utilize that following to start building offers and a list and a low tier product and a high tier product and maybe a coaching program to teach other influencers how to grow their, their following or whatever it might be. Because for those influencers, I know that they are stressed because if they're not on their phone all the time and they're not 
you know, focusing on their engagement and they're not trading dollars for hours, they're not making money. So a lot of people have this perception like, oh, well, they must be killing it. No, I worked with a woman last year who came on or two years ago now who came on as a client. She had 700,000 followers and I had my initial reaction was, oh, she must be killing it. She still was working full-time as a nurse because she was hardly making enough to pay a couple bills with her influencer stuff. And it was constant grind. This poor girl was not sleeping. So then we built out a product suite to support the vision she had for her life. And we were able to start scaling from what she had. So that's just one example. It could also be someone in the network marketing space who's you know starting to bring some people in, but they're not quite sure how to go to the next level, we can scale that. Or someone who has like an online course and maybe a coaching program, but they're still like doing one-on-one calls all the time or their mastermind might be a time suck or energy suck for them. So as long as you have something Mm -hmm. that we can scale from, like typically I'm working with people who have something pretty operational, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Like it can just be somebody who has, I I don't typically, I think if you have an idea Mm-hmm. You have to monetize it first. You have to have yeah. something monetized. You have to be able to say, okay, I'm generating something. What are we scaling from? It's that same concept of like, know where you're at. You have to know where you're at. Like you talked about earlier, sometimes there's a growth period first. You know, like you're not quite ready to scale it. We got to grow this thing so it's operating and functioning so that we even know what we're scaling. Yeah. Exactly. Which is where I spend a lot of my time with my clients is in that kind of like idea to business plan, to growth, to the feedback loop, to the, like just starting the cycle of like, let's get something on lock. So we know actually what we're going to scale because I just feel like sometimes people start scaling something without an audience and demand. And then also without product that is actually like doing anything for people. And so that's why I asked the question because I just feel like part of me just wants to know myself. And then the other part is, is that I think it's really important for people hearing like, there is so much opportunity out there. Once you get clear on, like we've said so many times already, where you're at and where you want to go, and then identifying like how you can really solve problems for people based on the skills that you have, the audience that you have, or don't have, like maybe you don't have an audience, but maybe you can really solve a problem for people. So I love that. Okay. So I have a question for you. Okay. in your business model, walk me through it a little bit because I love hearing from other entrepreneurs who are doing the thing and just hearing what their product suite looks like, what impact they're making in the world, how they're kind of bringing this thing to life. Yeah. Okay. I love it. I told my coach, Amber, I'm like, I feel like I'm in puberty right now. Like I am in the process of like just really getting super confident in where I'm at and where my niche is and how I serve in a really potent way. So I have an academy that is launching here in the next two weeks. I just did my first round. It was really, really powerful. And what that basically is, is a combination of uh, online course and then one-on-one coaching, group coaching. So I have taken probably every single popular course that you could possibly imagine. And I've completed probably 75% of them 50% of the time, right? Like yep. so many, we buy all these courses. We spend anything, anywhere from $200 to $2,500. I had B-School for two years before I completed it. Like there was just not enough accountability. There was not enough. It was all of the things. And so what I did was that I found that over the two years prior, Um, So prior to me launching a course or an academy and a group coaching program, 
I had coached probably about 20 to 30 clients on very similar things. So I worked with a lot of coaches. I attracted, I mean, I've worked with network marketers, coaches, recording artists, photographers, but mostly people in business. Cause I mm-hmm. start, I launched this kind of like a life coach and an everything coach, growth coach. And then I started niching down as I started getting the feedback. And so I noticed that there was a certain framework I was taking people through about 90% of my clients. And I'm like, I got to leverage this and turn this into a course because it just makes so much sense. I'm also a procrastinator. So I, <laughs> I didn't want to put the course together. <laughs> She's racing her Same. Same so I was here. Like, well, and I love to make things way harder than they are, especially technology. And so uh, I'm like, I don't understand how to put a course together. So I'm just going to make a group coaching program that not only marries the things that I love about courses, but also marries the things that I love about masterminds and group coaching programs. Cause I'd always, I'd been a part of a mastermind for two years, two different masterminds or group coaching programs. And so I'm like, why don't I just marry all of the things that I absolutely love about the work that I've done that's got me here and put it into a 12 week immersion. So I took these eight women through modules and then we did group coaching and one-on-one strategy sessions. And we had a little Facebook community hub. We did a retreat and it was just so powerful, so incredible. And now I'm scaling it. So I'm making it a little bit smaller and I'm taking on more clients. So I have that. And then I have a mastermind. So those women who were in that course then graduated into the mastermind So I'm guiding them there. And then we also have, um, and then I'm launching the course again. And then I have my first live event in January of next year. So I'm working backwards from that. And from there, I'm going to be launching a whole other thing, a a community space and a membership hub. And then we'll like make that course evergreen, and all of the things. So I'm like in that kind of just early stages of scaling because I've been really comfortable in the grow phase. Yeah. (laughs) Also, I chose, and I haven't talked about this a ton, but like I earlier this year had to choose, I had a network marketing stream of income and then also my coaching stream of income. And because I love to procrastinate and go kind of back and forth between the two, I decided to put all my eggs in the coaching basket for a year and kind of turn that down. And then we'll relaunch uh, early next year. And so yeah, this year has been a year of incredible growth and expansion for me on a soul level. And then the business is just kind of like, going. I haven't even really paid. I paid attention to the business, obviously, because I'm a business coach, but, but part of me, it's just been like, I'm going. And I even messaged my husband. I logged into my back office the other day and I was like, Oh my gosh, I had not seen that number. (laughs) Like, I didn't even realize I had made that much money this year. Like, that's incredible. Like, maybe I should start focusing on that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And I think it's such an important thing for people to hear because first of all, it's a lot easier to coach people through what you're going through or have been through or struggle with. Like the things that we're speaking to and helping people through, it's not because we're immune to them or we've completely overcome them or we don't deal with them anymore. It's like, no, I, I went through that. Let me walk you through how I'm getting through it or how I went through it. And I just think it's such a good thing for people to hear us talk about this kind of stuff because a lot of times people see us, like you said, like that highlight reel on Instagram or go to their web website. I'm sorry, but you're not going to see a video of the chaos behind the scenes <laughs> on my website. Like yeah. it's just not how I'm marketing this thing, but it's yeah. there and it's happening. And there are the tears and there are the moments of like, you have to get stripped down 
down to like bare bones Mm -hmm. before you can get built back up. And there are so many humbling moments in entrepreneurship, like true entrepreneurship, where you're looking to build, I think that word gets thrown around a lot. And I'm still like thinking about create, trying to create a word that speaks to it without using that word. I haven't come up with one yet because I'm just sick of saying it because I just think it's used too loosely. People just say like, oh, I quit my job, so I'm an entrepreneur. No, you have to have a viable business that you're growing and and then ultimately scaling. But this idea that like entrepreneurship is an easier route, no, it is not for the faint of heart. Like my husband was in corporate. He was an actuary. It's one of the best jobs you can get in the country whenever you like Google best jobs of this year. But it's an off, you know, he's in a corporate setting and he didn't want that anymore. But he's building his own business now and kind of in line with his passions, uh, timber framing and building these beautiful timber frame homes. And he's terrified because he's like, Liz, this is the first time that I don't have someone handing me the blueprint. Like I can do amazing things when someone says, I need you to do this. Mm. He's like, I am literally out there with a machete in the middle of the woods trying to cut my own path. And I don't know how to do that. Like that is so hard. So this is not for the faint of heart. Mm -mm. And yes, it can ultimately yield a better life for yourself, but not if you're not strategic about it, not if you're not intentional about it. Like you're doing the things right now, Carrie, that are are going to ensure that you can build that space into your life because of what you're building. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, like we talked about, they just wing it. And then they're 10 years into entrepreneurship. They like destroyed their relationships. Their marriage fell apart. Their kids don't know them. They have the shark tank syndrome that I talk Mm -hmm. about, which is like, hey, I launched this business and it brings in a million dollars. Oh, how much of it is in your bank account supporting your life? Oh, well, I'm in the red because I didn't build it in a way that actually keeps that money where I need it. So yes, it's just like there, you have to be intentional and strategic and to, to be able to have that freedom that you really want. That's like the sexy part of entrepreneurship that people think is automatic with it. You have to sit down and look at, okay, this is how I want my life to look. This is how I want my days to be. And then you have to build the business around that. A hundred percent. I mean, even so much as to say, like, for me, I remember messaging Amber, uh, I don't know when it maybe early summer or after I was like halfway through the Academy and like really thinking, sitting with this idea of having a membership for my community. Like, I love the idea of having one thing that I go really, really deep in and then I can take summers off. Cause I'm like, I just want to be able to play at the beach with my kids. I don't want to get on a client call. I'll batch all my content. Like I just want to have at least one month off to just really focus on my life. How can I set up my business that way? So mm-hmm. that those are the questions that I'm constantly asking myself. I mean, even now that I'm going to have five days a week, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in the process of writing a book and I have like all of these other th- things happening. Like I have to set up my week so that I feel supported in the way I want to feel supported. I don't start my work until 11 o'clock now. I don't like, there's all of these things that I'm like from the granular and the microscopic to the macro of like, how do I want to feel on a day to day basis? And how can I set up a life that supports me? But one of the mm-hmm. things that you said that I would love to just kind of touch on is this idea of really removing the veil of us. And we've, t- we've touched on it a little bit of like, we don't have it all together. And that is the mm-hmm. point. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the more honest and, and authentic and true I am to that conversation, especially with my clients, like my clients are a part of my inner circle. Like 
They are my homegirls. They are my friends. They know more about me than some of my best friends do because I am like all the veils are down. Now, obviously there's boundaries and all of those things, but, but I, I am so radically honest with them and my audience on Instagram and all of that, but that's where they see the breakthrough because I'm constantly giving them permission to not have it figured out. I'm constantly showing them, listen, I don't know. I pivoted like earlier this year, I had a mastermind and I filled it and it was awesome until it wasn't awesome because I copy and pasted my coach's mastermind into my own offering. And I thought, okay, well, if it's working for me, it's going to work for them. And halfway through is when my cousin passed away. And that's when I, when I talked spoke to earlier, I was like, listen, I'm getting all this feedback. Not like people, when I say feedback, not people reaching out to me saying, Carrie, this mastermind is not what I thought it was. It was more just the feelings and the nudges of like, something doesn't feel right. I'm not excited to get on these calls with them because I know that this is not the right container to put them in. And so halfway through, that's when I pivoted and I'm like, you know what? I'm changing. You guys get, are getting grandfathered into this new program. This is what it looks like. Here's your idea. Here's your chance to opt out and I will refund you all your money, or you can join us on this next journey. And I promise it's going to take us somewhere you've never been before. And they were like, Whoa, hold on a second. You just said you were wrong and you've been telling everyone. I mean, I've talked about it on the podcast and everything else. And it gave them so much permission to say, I don't have to have it figured out. I ha- I can operate from the space of there is no failure. There is only feedback. And if we are willing to be radically honest about where we're at, where we want to go, and if we're serving in a way that really helps our ideal client, our people that we're serving, then you will always win. You will always enjoy your job. You will always show up and say, how can I serve today? I'm open to not knowing the answer, but mm-hmm. I'm open to the yeah. answer coming to. So yeah, yeah. I just think like, as you were talking through that and mentioning just like how, when we really show our clients and show people like, we don't have to have it figured out. That's a beautiful thing. That's honestly like my favorite part about it is like, okay, I'm just going to make a decision and go and take that messy action that you spoke about earlier and just do the dang thing. And let's see, let's see if it works. And if it doesn't, I'm still going to stay in integrity with my word and deliver. It just might look a little bit different. So yes, that's been probably the number one thing. If you asked any of my clients, the reason why they continue to work with me is because they know that I will show them the good, bad, and the ugly. They know that I will talk them through what I'm experiencing and how I'm experiencing and how I'm breaking down my strategy and what it's going to take to get me to fill these seats at my event and all like all of the things I don't, there is no veil. And so I feel like if we can just even if it's just like, okay, asking yourself the question of how can I be more authentic today? Or how can I be more, more vulnerable? Especially, it's not like you have to like air your dirty laundry, right? And I think that's vulnerability can sometimes be, <laughs> be like, okay, vulnerable post alert. And I love yeah. the way, you know, Karen Kenny. Yeah. Okay. I love the way she talks about it because if we could just like, encourage and invite people to stop saying vulnerable post. This is a vulnerable post. Like stop saying it. Just be vulnerable. Like just tell your story. When someone says, okay, this is really vulnerable for me. It's like, no, it's not. If it was, then like you would just, just, just be, because all you're looking for is 
significance and, you know, people to come in and cuddle you or whatever else it is, like just tell your story and be authentic. But so often vulnerability to us looks like, oh, I have to share parts, dark parts of my story that are not yet ready, that haven't been healed, that are not yet ready to come out. Right. Right. Whereas no, all you need to do is show that you don't have it figured, all figured out and that you're doing the best you can. Yes. And that's, it's something I struggled with so deeply. And I realized that there's a balance between like when you're in the muck of a really tough situation in your life or you're learning, like the growing pains you talked about, sometimes there's, it's not just a growing pain. It's like a raw open wound. And when people share the raw open wound before they've gleaned the insight or the wisdom from it, Mm -hmm. it's really just like a, everything's a hot mess. Look at me kind of situation. And it's not necessarily going to serve. Yeah. So it's not like you said that you have to air all your dirty laundry when you're in that muck, but it is like a, I went through this battle Mm -hmm. and I came out on the other side and my wounds are healing now. So let's talk about it. Yeah. And there's a difference. And I see it a lot on social media, especially people are like, oh, well, the raw are the better. This is what people want. People want real. And it's like, whoa, that was TMI. It's like, yes, I'm not ready to hear that from you because I'm not seeing the good coming out of it quite yet. Yeah. And it's just, it's a little too open. So, and I've struggled with that in my leadership and it's been a huge growth thing for me to have the humility, to be able to say, I screwed up or I've struggled with this, or I feel this. And this is how I've, I've worked through that. Because in the beginning, I thought that that made me weak. Mm-hmm. I thought that if I told them that every course I launched in the beginning was a failure, like five years ago, that that would make me lose my credibility as a coach. Mm-hmm. Or I thought that if I told them that, you know, I screwed up that time when I was speaking on stage and I forgot one of my points, like that made me not a good speaker. No, those are the things that cultivated me and grew me into a better speaker, or grew me into someone who knew how to create courses. And I've realized that that doesn't make me weak. It makes me human and it makes me relatable because those untouchable people who exist that I see and I admire, I would certainly never reach out to them to guide me because I'm like, well, they're going to judge how imperfect I am because they're perfect. Even though they're not, they're just not sharing those imperfections along the way. So I I couldn't agree with that more. And I just have to highlight one of the things you said is there's no failure. There's only feedback. And it's so true. It's like so often we hang our hat on whether something is a failure or a win. And now I'm in this weird space of, I don't need perfect anymore. Like I have three young children. There is no such thing as perfect. (laughs) Like it is like out those two sets of doors, you are entering a war zone and you don't know what you're going to step on or step in or what the smells might be going on out there. And like, it is dangerous place. And so all the curated perfect images, like I've warned my audience, I tried that and it, I failed at it. So like, don't come to me for perfect. That's just not what I've got going on in my life. And it's not really what I crave anymore. So when I put stuff out there, when I put content out there, I give myself permission for it to not be perfect to, Mm -hmm. for it to be a B and not an A. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting out crap. I want it to be valuable, but it doesn't have to always be like perfect lighting and this and that, because 
I know that my message and, and what God has placed on my soul to put out into the world as like his gifting to me is of more value to them than like what the image might look like. And that's something that I've embraced and it's given me such peace and freedom. Like mm-hmm. just freedom to just create, to bring it out into the world and to, to know that it will continually evolve and improve, but I'm not doing myself a deficit or a disservice by not putting it out there or by putting it out there. And the only disservice I'm doing is by holding it back because I'm afraid of not having it absolutely a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my gosh. As you're saying this is I'm like looking back at moments that I've been looking through photos in my phone and I'm like, oh my gosh, this was such a cute photo. And I remember at the time totally judging it for whatever reason, but now I'm like, oh, that was such a good photo. Why didn't I ever post that? Or why didn't I ever use that or whatever? And so like that, that was what came through for me as you were saying, this is like, just let it go. You know, I, my sister is a professional photographer and so, and she lives six minutes from me. So I, I have, Oh my gosh, I have so many amazing photos and I have to oftentimes like tell myself to stop posting them because I'm I don't want to portray that image. But I also say to myself and even say to my clients like invite yourself up, right? To the 30,000 foot view. Like stop saying so in the granular of like is the photo perfect? Is the messaging perfect? Like what's the 30,000 foot view of like what am I trying to do here? What is the why and the ethos behind my brand that is driving all of this, whether the photo's perfect, the caption's perfect or whatever else. And why am I so caught up in even thinking that in the first place, that that's going to serve your clients? Cause it's not, people aren't going to convert. They're not going to see one photo and be like, Oh, I'm going to go coach with her. They might be like me where I like, I stalked Amber for about five minutes and then got on the phone with her and hired her. Yeah, <laughs> but, but she's, she's an easy win. Yeah. She's, she's Amber. So yeah. everyone wants to work with her. But it was, it was like, I was just ready. Yeah, it, that was you. Yeah. That was and your it's, timing. it's just, it's just, it's, it's not going to make or break your life. The one post, the one email, the one, that's why launches are called a sequence. That's why that typically it's, we need multiple impressions, whatever it is. Like it takes time to build demand. But the number one thing you got to get clear on is why you're doing it. Like, why are you doing it in the first place? And I feel like we've like really pounded into that, this whole conversation, which I am just loving, by the way, I am loving the back and forth. I know, (laughs) totally. (laughs) I hope you guys are loving it too. Let us know because I just feel like this is such a, a flowy and fluid conversation in the way that we're going back and forth. Okay. One of the questions that came through for me is like, how do you, because I have my own answer to this, but how do you take time to create space in your day? for creating a relationship with self. If knowing that we need to, and your creator, like if knowing that we need to, if we operate with the knowing that we need to know ourselves on a, on a deep soul level in order to know what we truly want, how do you create space? Like, what does that actually look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's funny because it's something that I'm always working to enhance because I've struggled with it. So for me, it comes down to first the discipline of it, because I'll come up with a great idea. I do this all the time. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to journal every day, or I'm going to, I buy this cute little notebook or whatever. And I put it by my bedside and my goal is to do this. And I've found to create habits in the discipline of actually showing up for it. I have to attach it to a trigger. So I can't just say, okay, now I'm going to implement this new thing of like, 
space to get to know myself with meditation and prayer and journaling every night before I go to bed if I didn't do that previously. So what has helped me is attaching this new thing that I know I need to do to improve to something I do every day. So for example, like I love having my smoothie every morning, but I don't allow myself to have that smoothie until I've completed my workout first. So Mm. that's just a simple example of it. But we, I told you I'm like a health optimization junkie and we've been learning more and more about detoxification and getting heavy metals out of the system and all these different things. So my husband, who's incredibly handy and talented, built us a near infrared sauna in our bathroom. And it is my favorite thing ever. (laughs) And one of my things is always like, I always have the intention of reading more, or I always have the intention of journaling more or doing affirmations or writing or writing out my goals. And I just don't do it. I don't take the time. So now I literally lock myself in a box in my bathroom, which is a sauna. And I take at least a 20 minute sauna every day. And in that sauna, I don't, you don't bring technology into the sauna because it actually health wise, it affects the uh, healing process because of the waves coming from your phone or whatever else. So I don't have access to anything. No one has access to me. And I have my journal in there and my goal notebook and books that I'm reading. So those 20 minutes are now so ingrained and habitual that I find that I'm walking into the sauna reaching for the notebook, like just automatic because Mm -hmm. I've attached it to something that I'm doing anyway. So the ways that I'm creating that space is I've just started, like I'm a writer by trade and by passion. And I had gotten away from that aside from like writing posts and whatever, because I got more into video and audio stuff. And I missed that piece of me because there's something magic about taking a pen and putting it to a piece of paper that eliminates the middleman. Like it just is my brain to the paper and I'm not even involved in the process. And sometimes I go back and read what I wrote. and I'm like, holy crap, that's what I was thinking. I didn't even know. Like it's just like pouring out of me. So my process now is every morning after I, I do my workout and then I take a sauna and during that time in the sauna is when I'm writing and I'm writing, just letting it flow. Like I am writing what I'm thinking. I'm writing what I want and I only allow myself. It's a little different than journaling. I find when I journal stuff comes out in the negative a lot, Mm. like tough things I went through. I'm trying to get it out or an argument I had with my husband and like trying to work through it or something I fell short of in my business. I find my journals really negative. I have a book that is like only a positive zone and I am not naturally a positive person, admittedly. Like everything skeptic goes negative first and then I have to flip it. It's a lot of work for me. But this notebook is dedicated to like who I'm becoming, only good things, only positive affirmations about myself. And that has been so transformative for me. And it's not like a, I'm not trying to make fun of anyone that does this but it doesn't really resonate with me. And like when people are like, write your affirmations, like I am strong or I am an amazing wife. Like I've tried that and I sit there and I write it and I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Like I don't, this isn't speaking to me. But when I write in like full thoughts and feelings and emotions of like who I'm becoming and, and what I'm not willing to settle for and all the positive, I feel like I know more about myself now in these last few months of being in that sauna every morning doing this practice than in the last 10 years of all these personal development practices I've tried to put into play because mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm eliminating the middleman. I'm just connecting and, and you're figuring out what it is I want. Like. I'm not judging. There's no space for that there. Yeah. And it's like, 
whoa, this is working for me. And there's no real, like, I don't have like a, some days it's a list. Some days it's a list of goals that I'm pushing for that. Like I'm not letting any judgment in and they're crazy, ridiculous goals that like I read them. I'm like, Oh really? You want that? That's insane. Okay. Let's go for it. And then other days it's like almost like a story or a vision of how I'm seeing myself in five years or in 10 years or in 50 years when we're sitting on our front porch, you know, watching our grandbabies, like anything that comes out is fair game, but it's all positive. Mm, I love that. One of the things that you said, I'm just like, so in agreement with that sentiment, but one of the things that you said is how like your skepticism and that journaling doesn't work for you. Like just to reflect something back to you that I know about myself is that my skepticism serves me really well in my strategy. So like Mm. I'm a strategist by nature and as are you, as I can tell. And so I think my skepticism is actually a gift because it allows me to find the path of least resistance very quickly because Mm. I am able to identify, okay, what's not right. What's not. So just to flip that for you, that like, it's cool that you're a skeptic. It's awesome. I love that. I love that. I I needed to hear that too. It reminds me, and I don't know if you feel this way with your kids, which I'm sure you do because three kids, any parents feel this way, but about kind of that concept of looking at things that you could view as a negative as like, how are they actually a gift? Mm -hmm. And I've started to do that in my children. Cause I remember my son has always been like the strong willed, you know, persistent. He's a negotiator. Everything's like, Jack, do this. I'll I'll do it for four minutes, not five. Like everything's (laughs) like, you've got to have the final word. And it's always just been tough. And I remember he was young and I'm so grateful I learned this young, but Michael's grandmother, my husband's grandmother, who was a counselor for years, I was just kind of venting to her one day. I'm like, I can't get him to do anything. Like, it's so frustrating. Everything ends in a fight and an argument. She's like, you you just identified his greatest gift. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's going to put me in an early grave. And she's like, no, if you can, you don't want to stop trying to fix it. Mm -hmm. Stop trying to shut it down. Because that's what we do as parents. We we see something that drives us crazy or that's tough to deal with. And we're like, stop doing that or do it this way or or let's fix this instead of saying, okay, this is tough for me, but someday this is going to serve him immensely. That strong will, that persistence, that way of logical thinking, like all those things, harness it for good. That's mm-hmm. your job as his parent is to harness it for good. And I forget to do that for myself sometimes. So now I've, I start, I still am human and want to sell my children to the gypsies sometimes. (laughs) However, I've put this into practice and reminded myself and heard grandma Rose's beautiful little voice saying like, harness it for good. So after I have my screaming fit, I'm like, I'm going to harness this for good. So I don't kill them. Yeah, (laughs) totally. do that for me. You know, like just hearing you say that is like, I don't give myself that kind of credit and to say like, okay, what I view as a weakness, like, how is this a strength? Yeah. And and also what I just heard was like this idea of like, you know, kids don't come into the world with resistance. They -hmm. don't come into the world resisting anything. And quite honestly, it's our voice. It's our nurturing. It's our parenting that fosters their kind of view of the world as, as, as with their experiences of the world. And if we can teach them how to remove the resistance altogether and just embrace all aspects of who they are. I feel like we're going to be serving them so much better than like, Hey, go fix this about yourself. Because essentially we're saying, this is what you need to resist. This is what you need to resist. So, and as someone who like deals with her own resistance all the time, I feel like, Oh man, if my parents could have at least said, Oh, this is what's great. I mean, my parents are amazing. So that's a whole, I feel like that's a whole nother wormhole we could go down. But yeah, I love, I love that because I do really feel as though 
especially becoming a parent of older children now elementary, it's like you're really starting to see where these moments are of like their personality, what's going to serve them really, really well, and what's going to serve them probably not so well, or how we can help them along in the journey as they mm-hmm. grow. Do you feel equipped for that? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> there are parts of it that I really look forward to as they start to get older. And I'm already starting to see it with my son, who's four now, of shifting from the stage of like parenting where you're just trying to keep them alive, like physically, yeah. <laughs> to like, you're actually molding you know, helping mold like their morality and their value system and the lens through which they view the world. Like that's a lot more pressure, but mm-hmm. it excites me a lot more because it's yeah. more like real conversations. Like I'm having those conversations with my son at night at bedtime and I'm finding that like he's going deeper. And so there are parts of it I'm looking forward to and parts of it that scare the pants off of me because like you said, like my parents are amazing and yet there are still a lot of screw ups, you know, and I'm like, Oh my God, like no matter what, I'm going to screw them up a little, like how, you know, trying yeah. to navigate that. Yeah. So I feel like the saying that comes to mind is God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Mm. And I'm just having faith in the fact that he will qualify me for that gift of being their parents. And if I screw them up, it's only, it's minimally and it works in their favor somehow. Yeah. Totally. For me, I think the biggest thing, just as someone who's like just a couple of years ahead of you, <laughs> is like having like radical honesty. And it's just going to circle yes. back to that. It's just like, what is it that you asked? What, what question did you ask? And how can I present this in a very honest way so that you know that I am telling the truth and that you are able to come and talk to me about anything and I will shoot it to you straight? I feel like mm-hmm. that was the biggest not to my parents, not to their fault, but that was the biggest thing that was really challenging living in a polarized. My father was a minister in a Christian church for 13 years. And so everything was very polarizing. It was right or wrong. And so Mm -hmm. there was no, well, especially with my mom, but with my dad, it was like, there was gray area with him because he just understood a lot. But for me, like the one thing that I'm trying to instill is just like a really open and honest conversation and continuous conversation. I want to circle back before, and I know we're almost done on time, but I want to circle back and give my thoughts on just how to find like that, keep that conversation with ourselves going, because I do feel as though it's evolved for me over time. And it's a conversation I have a lot with my clients in terms of like, well, I can't meditate every day and I can't, I can't create this kind of structure every single day because my day looks so different. And for so long, because I have run so masculine in my corporate world, which served me well in entrepreneurship, but over the last couple of years, I've been really opening up myself up to more flow and femininity and um, in so many different aspects of my life that I have really created a practice of Instead of like every day I wake up, there are seasons where every day I wake up and I am listening to something or I'm reading a book or I'm journaling or I'm whatever it is that I'm doing. But then there's also seasons where that just can't happen because of time or other priorities or things like that. And so I really give myself permission to ask myself each day, how connected do I feel? Am I connected to myself right now or am I connected to something outside of me based on how I'm feeling? And so sometimes it just looks like taking a shower by myself and like Mm -hmm. allowing the spaciousness to come in, any downloads, any thoughts, like really giving myself whatever space I need to finish my thoughts. Sometimes it's letting my kids just come in my bed and snuggle and being like really present in the moment. Sometimes it's just washing the dishes and like 
letting my mind wander or, you know, whatever, how sometimes just going outside, hugging a tree or sitting in the grass or just, you know, connecting to mama nature in some way, shape or form. And I feel like going back to this idea of like not judging it and allowing myself on a day-to-day basis to let my ceremony with myself and therefore my creator be what it needs to be for that day gives me the freedom to say like, it doesn't have to be this way. Do I need discipline? Yes. Cause I rebel against discipline. Cause I was a minister's daughter. That's just part of who I am. Right. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, it really also allows me I'm disciplined in, I ask the same question every day. Am I connected? Do I feel supported? And if I don't, how do I close that gap? in a way that I know will align and support me in that way. So I, I just felt called to share that because I know it's like completely opposite, but very much the same of where you're at and what you're doing. It's like the sentiments are exactly the same and the output is the same, but the way in which we get there is so, so different. And so I just felt right. called to, to highlight that because I, I think it just, some people need to hear both sides. Yes. And I think I'm so glad you shared that because I know there are people who might hear how I do it or might hear how you do it and feel like they can't do it because it's not resonating with them or they tried it that way and it doesn't work. And there are people listening who heard it both of our ways and say, neither of those ways work. I have to create my own path. So it, it is, it's like so important to note that piece that you are, especially in entrepreneurship or motherhood, there is no mold. You have to tap in to what is already etched on your heart. Like Everything you need, yes, there are resources available to you that were never available to us even 10, 20 years ago that can help us grow and help us be better, like podcasts, like books, like seminars. However, if you were on an island and you were completely separated from all of those resources and access to all those things that we have access to, you would have within you exactly what you need to pour out into the world. Like if you were given a laptop with no Wi-Fi signal and you had to write a book, it's already in you. So having that faith and that that belief that it's there. And like you said, that output is the same, but the approach could be drastically different than what both of us mentioned here today. Mm, love that. Love that. Okay. So I know that we need to wrap up, but I want to ask, maybe we can go back and forth on just a couple little questions that have short answers. Sure. So yep. number one, what is your favorite quote? Favorite quote. Oh, heavens. <laughs> All right. You got to come back to me on that one. I got Okay. Think. Okay. Mine is, uh, well, I have a couple, but my, my favorite one is that life is not happening to you. It is happening for you. Mm, yep. So powerful. Okay. I got mine. Um, okay. it's a mother Teresa quote and I'm not going to say the whole thing because it's long, but if you Google mother Teresa, do it anyway, mm. it is one, it's the like one of my guiding lights in my life. So basically like the world is going to say this about you. You're going to do it anyway. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to feel this. You're going to do it anyway. It's like listening to that inner voice and what God had gave you and, and you're going to do it your way and do it anyway, because it's the right thing to do. And it's who you are at the core. Mm, love it. Love it. Um, favorite book, or maybe like, you don't have to say if it's, a, if it's a, your favorite book for all time or your favorite book that you've read recently or something that's just like really speaking to you right now, pick your poison. The one that pops into my head that I, okay. John Maxwell is like another yes. guiding light in my life. Yes. I'm obsessed with all things leadership. And I know we didn't mention that word specifically, but so much of 
who we're becoming and how we're able to get there is stepping into leadership. Leadership is that growth muscle that's going to allow you to break through those ceilings and, and overcome those doubts and overcome the things that you may have experienced as a child. Like it's all in leadership. So the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, and there's a workbook that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Game changer. I did that probably six years ago now, and my life has not been the same since. And I go back to that as a resource over and over again. How about oh. you? I love that. John Maxwell is amazing. You know, he just wrote a book about network marketing too. No way. I didn't know yeah. that. I don't remember what it's called, but it's come out. One of my friends and mentors, it works with him very closely. And so I've been following her journey. My favorite book. Oh gosh. Okay. I should be prepared with the answer to this. There are so many that have, have done wonders for me, but right now the book I'm just re- I'm reading right now is by Mark Nepo and it's called The One Life We're Given. And I I wish I had it next to me because I would read this opening chapter, but it is everything, like literally everything, um, this excerpt that started. And, you know, Amber gifted it to me just in like, Hey, intuitively, I know you need to read this. And so I opened it, I cracked the pages just a, a few weeks ago and it has been really, really powerful. So that, and then I, I love Gabby Bernstein, anything by Gabby Bernstein and Jen Sincero and all the Mm -hmm. people. Brene Brown. I mean, gosh, but yeah, Mark Nepo, the one life we're given. I also just wrote it down. Oh yeah. Get it. I also really love dumb books like Harry Potter and (laughs) (laughs) like I make it a a point to like check out of the personal development world at least once a year. You have to. And read something that's like very like, I love CIA books and, you know, Dan Brown and Robert Van Lusbader and like things like that. Okay. So where can people find you, my friend? Okay. So they can find me on my website, elizabethhartke.com. That's H-A-R-T-K-E. And it's Elizabeth with a Z. I'm always surprised when people ask that, like it's common to see it with the S. Uh, my mom wanted to name me Elizabetha because we're Italian, but we live here in America. So it's Elizabeth with a Z, hartke.com. On Instagram, it's Eliz, E-L-I-Z, Hartke. And then they can find me at Scaling Up, the podcast. So if they just search it on iTunes or wherever they listen to their podcast, they will find me there as well. And how about you for my listeners? Yes, you can find me at my website, www.kari-keating.com. So you gotta have the dash in there. Somebody owns keating.com <laughs> for some <laughs> reason. And I have a gift for your listeners that I just created. It's my seven simple steps, steps to a killer strategy. So just go to my website forward slash strategy and they can download that. And then uh, you can find me on Instagram. Instagram is my jam. I post often ish, but I'm, I'm in my stories a lot. And I love like hearing from people and answering questions and just getting into DMs and things like that. I'm on Facebook, but meh, not really. Yeah, you I know. Shoot, Old news. Yeah. You can just shoot me an email at Carrie at Carrie-Keating.com too, if you want to have a chat. So Awesome. And I will give you my future forecast formula for your listeners too. Oh, awesome. And I'm going to challenge all the listeners to take a screenshot of today's yes. episode, wherever they listen to it, share it and tag Carrie and I so that we can celebrate you and cheer you on on your journey. And, and if you like this kind of thing, maybe we'll yeah. put up a poll or something, Carrie. Let us know because I would totally do this again. Totally. I know. It's been really, really fun. I am pleasantly surprised. I mean, are we really that shocked? No. 
No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because just like we said in the beginning, we leave the space for magic. So yes. thank you so much for taking time with me today. Thank you for sharing your heart and creating space. And it's been just such an honor having this conversation with you. Ditto. Thank you, Carrie. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.